Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We will be focusing on verses 10 through 13. So just four verses, and we're going to end the thought of Paul. And actually, to begin, let's read from verse 1 of chapter 3 all the way till the end of verse 13. So it says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So, in this one, we're going to be focusing on verses 10 through 13. And I titled this study, God's Sovereign Plan Revealed. And you will see why I named it this way. Um, So let's just touch back briefly on what we mentioned and what we talked about uh, last time. And last time we touched on verses 7 through 9, and we talked about the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, right? So basically, whenever we see that Paul was given this gospel, and he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister. So we see that Paul references that this gospel wasn't just something he created out of the blue. Instead, it was given to him from... God himself, right, on the road to Damascus, the Lord stopped him in his tracks and changed him drastically to the point where he is a new person. And now 
Christ had a mandate for him specifically, and that was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He was called to be an apostle for the Gentiles, and that's what he tells us. And here he says that I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, right? So this had nothing to do with Paul. Um, instead, God initiated uh, this position specifically for Paul. And like any person who is drastically changed, who has a new heart, who has become a new person in Christ, uh, their desires change. And now what God loves, you love. What God hates, you hate. Um, and that's what we're getting at. And we see Paul's anguish and his desire to preach this gospel no matter what. And even in this letter, the letter of Ephesians, he's writing this letter from prison. And he tells the believers, Hey, remember at one time you were one step, but God made us alive together with Christ. And he's mentioning all these benefits that we get because we are in Christ. So, and that's what Paul gets at in verses 10 through 13. He tells us God's sovereign plan revealed. So let's look at verse 10 and let's dig more deeply. So that through the gospel, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So when he says, so that, that is the reason God made the mystery known and enlightened us to this truth, right? Enlightened the Ephesians, the Gentiles to this truth. This is the purpose. And this is what Paul is getting at. This is why. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So God's people, the church, the body of Christ makes known the manifold wisdom of God. So how does this happen or what is this purpose, right? So we know that the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So Paul is explaining to the persecuted church, right? The churches in Ephesus, that they now as redeemed and united to Christ's household, the same household of the redeemed Jews, right? Both Jews and Gentiles are made one. And since both are made one in a new body of believers that consists of Jew and Gentile, this reality is of God, right? So this is what's happening, that this reality is of God and now participate in the continuing of the expansion of the kingdom of God. So that's what's being made known. This is what's what the people are telling. This is what the Gentiles are telling. As more and more believers are brought to Christ, the manifold wisdom of God is exposed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it says, may be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, right? It doesn't say uh, on earth, even though it is happening on earth, but the purpose is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So the purpose is so that the rulers and authority, the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places are to know and 
are revealed to this manifold wisdom of God, the more and more believers are brought into this kingdom, right? So who are the rulers and authorities, right? Well, key words are in the heavenly places. Who are in the heavenly places? Angels and demons, right? The angelic beings. So to them... The ones to whom this reality is made known are the rulers and authorities, are the angels and the demons, right? So because they are in that position in Ephesians, it tells us that we were once held captive and we were followers of the prince of the power of the air. Um, so that is what's going on. And through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. You know, there's only one sovereign being and there's only one omniscient being, and that is God. So the angels, they rejoice when a believer comes to Christ. They rejoice and praise God. But that happens whenever the believer comes to Christ, right? They don't know the future like God knows because God decreed all things. So the angels rejoice and the demons tremble at the reality of who God is, right? That's what the Word of God tells us in James, that the demons, they shudder. They believe God and they shudder. So, so what is happening is that we are exposing the true power of God, that He raises the dead to life. So this is God's plan that is being unraveled and is being revealed. And it says, right, so in Ephesians chapter 1, Christians are blessed in the heavenly places, right? Chapter 2, Christians were once dead in the sins and trespasses, and that uh, was known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Uh, but God made us alive together and seated us with Jesus in the heavenly places. And then now we make known God's plan of redemption to those in the heavenly places. So the question now is, how is this done? How do we bring about this manifold wisdom of God? Because we as the church are doing that or should be doing that. Well, how this is done is by the proclamation of the gospel. Paul tells us elsewhere in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And he tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or the word of God, through the gospel. So that is how the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. See, we are not to fear the enemy. Instead, we are to proclaim this gospel and they will shudder. They will see God's eternal plan revealing or become revealed to them, right? God has decreed this and this is the, the plan that has always existed forever ago, right? Right? And we will see that. Let's uh, continue reading verse 11. It says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there it is. Right? 
the the this at the beginning of that verse uh is what Paul had just mentioned about the mystery and how through the gospel preaching the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places will witness the manifold wisdom of God unravel the more sinners will be won over so whenever it says this was according to the eternal purpose and it's, it signifies that this was God's main plan from eternity past, right? God is, right? Not God was or God will be, but God is. In Exodus 3.14, God says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. So it is the very title of God is who he is is because god is god will never will be or god has become no god has always been and he continues to always be right because to have been means that you came from one state and turned into a, a came to a different state but god has been god from forever ago to forever in the future and Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus tells us in John 8, 56 through 58, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Right? So God is the I am. And here Jesus is saying that he is the I am. God is eternal. Jesus always existed. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Right? Whenever he stepped into creation, now we get a veiled version of God in the flesh tangible right thomas doubting thomas he even says i won't believe unless i touch you unless i put my fingers uh through the holes in which where you were nailed and in your side and jesus says come right jesus tells him and then what does thomas do he bows down he uh falls and praises jesus and he says my god Right, And he recognized that Jesus was God in the flesh because no one can die and come back to life unless you are God, which is why he is the resurrection. And that's what we look forward to. You see, there is a spiritual awakening that happens within us whenever we are brought to life through the gospel. And we are to proclaim this gospel so that more, so that others We'll see this revealed as well. And that is making known the manifold wisdom of God. To not only humans, but also those in the heavenly places, the rulers and authorities in those heavenly places. So, let's continue. Let's continue. Verse 12 through 13. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. 
So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So whenever it says in whom, that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is whom we have boldness and access with. So we don't put our faith in anything else or whatever else. Instead, through Jesus Christ, through our faith in him, our trust in him, we have, right? So have is the present tense, meaning that it is an ability that has no end, right? The have will always still be 100 years from now. People will still have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So confidence uh, is the English word where we basically get with faith, right? Confide is the Latin, and it means with faith, right? And it says through our faith in him. So through our trust in him, who's the him? Well, the whom in the beginning of verse 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Christ. So, what is it that we have? It says we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So, we have boldness and we have access, both Jews and Gentiles. So, with confidence reminds me of Romans 8.1 and Romans 5.1, right? Romans 8.1, it says that therefore we have no condemnation or therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, meaning I don't have to fear that the Lord's wrath is on me. Instead, there is no wrath because it was appeased in Christ. And Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So this is what we were saved from. We were saved from the wrath of God that was on us. And Jesus took that wrath, right? He drank the cup, the bitter cup, to the last drop. And he said, it is finished on a cross. And through faith, it does not require works to get to God, but in him, right? But our faith in him. Faith in whom brought us to God. And that was Christ himself. And that is reconciliation. And now we are given this ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. And that is the gospel. That is letting people know that the wrath of God is abiding by them. And that the only way to be saved from God's wrath is through our repentance of our sins, our turning away from sin and trusting in Jesus alone, believing in this gospel, that Jesus has come to die for our sins, that he was buried and on the third day he rose from the grave. And now he has ascended into heaven and now he has assumed his throne, his rightful throne, as the enemies are being put under his foot as a footstool. So that is what reminds me of that. And then it says in verse 12, So I ask you not to lose heart 
over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So in verse 12, Paul ends his idea, right? By stating the purpose and why he is in prison. He's suffering. But this suffering is so that the glory of the saints might be revealed, might be brought to completion. And that is done whenever the Lord returns. So this ministry of reconciliation, this proclamation of the gospel, the manifold wisdom of God being revealed through the church, hasn't ended yet. We're still here. So I encourage y'all to go out and preach the gospel by gospel tracts and distribute them to people. Even if they don't want to have a five-minute conversation of what is the gospel, you're giving them a tract. Tangible, they can look at it and read it. They might put it in their pocket. They might throw it away. Don't be discouraged. Uh, Just keep planting those seeds any way and every way you can because this is serious. This is eternal life we're talking about. And as believers, we are to know what it was like to be dead and now be made alive. But those people who are out there in the world who do not know Christ, they don't know what it is to be alive because they are dead. So I encourage y'all to go out and preach the gospel. Go out uh, and grab your local church and ask them in what way can we uh, minister to the city, whatever city you're in. I would say that we should stand stand alongside with Paul, and if we are thrown in jail, thrown in prison uh, for the proclamation of the gospel, then that's when we can say we are suffering for Christ. Obviously, we have to do it with wisdom, and God tells us in, in James that if anyone lacks wisdom, he's to ask God, and it will be given to us without reproach, right? And the glory of the saints, that is revealed when Christ returns to his bride, right? His body, the church. So, again, Paul is implying a local church when he talks about the church, right? So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known, right? We're not called to be lone Christians. We are to walk alongside with other believers. And I would encourage y'all that if you have a desire to preach the gospel and go out, uh, do your best not to do it alone. Always have another. Uh, Follow the biblical example, like Paul and Silas, uh, Peter, um, and and the others who joined hand in hand, right? They were not alone, but they went in twos, two by two. And whenever the Lord um, got those 70 elders and sent them out, again, it was with others. It wasn't by yourself. And if you're not received well, if you're, you preach the gospel and they reject it, just dust the 
dust off your shoes and, and keep going. Keep proclaiming the gospel. Don't be discouraged because God's word tells us that his word does not return to him void. So those of whom hear that God has called to be part of the household of God will hear. And it's in God's time when they will respond to it. So plant those seeds. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.